Welcome to Wistful Thinking, the podcast where we invite a guest to revisit their favorite pop culture from childhood. I'm Jordan Poland-Clark, and with me today is my co-host, Kara Gail O'Regan. Hello. And today's guest, Courtney, who has chosen our very first book, The Stinky Cheese Man. Welcome, Courtney. Hi, thank you. So I'm super psyched that you chose this book. This was one of my favorite books as a child also. Why? Tell us why you chose this. Part of it is like kind of my my test for friendship. The fact that you've even heard of it, nonetheless enjoyed it, means you pass. <laughs> but also, <Cool. laughs> it is just, I I still own it. I am 33 years old, and I just moved for like the 15th time, and it still came with me. And it was something that I was talking to Kara about just moving or whatever. And she said something about childhood memories or books or something. And I just remembered this. This was my, I don't know, it was my blanket in the nurse's office. <laughs> and Kara... I assume you also read this book as a child? I did. I I don't know if it was really a part of my childhood so much as uh, my mom actually tutored kids with uh, reading disabilities. So we had a lot of illustrated books around the house. The author, John Szeska, and his illustrator, Lane Smith, they did a bunch of books. And the book that I remember really loving by this pair is the the true story of the three little pigs and I, I love that one yeah it's really great and then they also did or John Sheska did and Lane Smith illustrated some and another illustrator illustrated the others a um a series of books called the time warp trio which uh I didn't go back and read them yet although I did check one out of the out of the library called Viking it and liking it because it had a great title um, but as far as I can tell, uh, seem to be children's book form of Bill and Ted, where they like go back in time <laughs> and they learn about history. Um, and the one that I remember most from my childhood is the Knights of the Kitchen Table, which they like go back and, and see Camelot and stuff. <laughs> I've never heard of that series. Um, if you're listening and you've never read The Stinky Cheese Man, I will try to summarize it quickly. Um, it's basically a children's fairy tale book flipped over on its head. Um, they revisit stories like Chicken Little, The Princess and the Pea, The Ugly Duckling, um, all of those short little fairy tales, um, and really kind of mess with them in a very silly way. The princess and the pea is the princess and the bowling ball. The ugly duckling is the really ugly duckling who just grows up to be an ugly duck. He never turns into a swan. Um, and we're guided through the book by Jack the narrator who appears every few pages to kind of take us through the book, um, which is one of my favorite parts of this book. I think as a kid, this was like maybe the first thing I ever read that broke that really broke format like that Mm. which is so cool yeah that was something that I really loved about it was I mean I was nine so I'm sure I didn't know at the time but I was into postmodernism I like (laughs) I like the meta stuff I really appreciated that uh they even try to interact with um the table of contents itself Mm -hmm. they the chicken little who says the sky is falling uh is interrupts and starts the story too soon before we even get to the table of contents and like you said jack the narrator is not having it because he's there to keep things in line and i think the table of contents is what was really falling and it crushes someone like first few pages of the book i'm like someone died they're breaking like the fourth wall here and they're taking a story i've heard a thousand times and putting a twist on it and i think at that age i was just so bored of children's books that treated me like a child (laughs) uh but you know the precocious, intelligent child that I was, I wanted something that gave me more. And I, I just read this again the other day to uh, prep for the podcast. And I was like, yeah, no, still good. I enjoyed my, you know, and of course, I was like, oh, I'll just read one story to remind myself. And then I was like, well, the next one's good. Yeah, I think the whole audiobook was about 25 minutes. So you can get through <laughs> You can cruise like... through the 56 pages. Yeah. You dropped the book off to me last night because uh, my local library did not have a copy, which I was shocked by. Boo. And I was flipping through it this morning and breaking so many of those conventions of the formatting and stuff is just like 
magical. Like even now as a 30 year old, I was flipping mm. through it like, oh my God, they're breaking so many rules. And the illustrator's wife, uh, I can't remember her name, but she actually is a book designer herself. And um, so she would be the person that would figure out how books are laid out and that sort of thing. So she's collaborated with Lane Smith on a lot of uh, his illustrations and his books. And I imagine that she had a large hand in breaking so many of these genre conventions of, of books. Yeah. Her really name nice. is Molly Leach. I actually also went down that rabbit hole um, on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it, uh, the few things that I, read about her made it seem like that kind of style that we love so much like that's all her mm -hmm. um I mean I love the illustration style also it's um it's scary it's yeah. dark. I don't know how else to describe yeah. it how, you guys Kara you're an artist how, what style is like what is this what do you call this I don't know if it really has a title but yeah it is very dark um a lot of kind of and and again, flipping through the book kind of tickled my artistic sensibilities and really took me back to um, his other illustrations. And it, like, explains a lot about my own artistic sensibilities, <laughs> like creepy, dark stuff. Um, I'm not sure if this really has a, a, a specific style that I would say that it is, but it's a very distinctive style that he has of, like kind of soft edges and I'm not even sure what medium he uses. I think it might be It could be paper even. Like it's so unique. Yeah. yeah. It, well yeah. It looks oh, yeah. Something I, think I really it might be acrylic paint, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I might I... even I think there's a lot of like mixed media that he uses and collage and stuff, but like the the actual illustrations themselves I'm unsure. I was really into the art when I was younger because, I mean, it wasn't necessarily my style. It kind of creeped me out, and I'm not so into things that creep me out. Like, I don't really watch horror movies and stuff like that. I'd rather watch, like, Too Cute and see pandas and stuff. But I really appreciated that they took what I remember as, like, la la la, blonde kids, fairy tales, sparkles, and all that, and did make it darker. And from the artistic standpoint, like, I love to draw in color, but I'm not such an artist that I could reproduce something that, you know, looks like an actual object, any sort of noun. <laughs> but I think seeing this art style and like the teeth I remember very specifically are circles, yeah. which are the exact opposite shape of most healthy teeth. And I remember being like, but that's okay. I could tell they were teeth, like, even though they drew it quote unquote wrong. And it was sort of, again, my first taste of being, you know, nine, ten years old and thinking, oh, well, you don't have to draw them that way then. Yeah. It almost like, like, like illustrating a kid's book that way and like giving so much attention to the detail of like the layout of a children's book. It like, it's so, it's so respectful to children in a way. It's like, oh, you're seven, but you can have taste. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Kind of. I mean, yeah, you know, absolutely. whatever. Like, I didn't, I didn't know that's what it was when I was, you know, reading this as a kid. But no, but you responded to it. And I also wonder, it. like, yeah. And I also like we. I assume all had parents who were amused by this. Otherwise, we wouldn't have got our hands on it. Ah, so that's my trick. I mentioned the nurse's office. That's where I used to go read it because my mom was like, "What is this?" Oh, oh, that's so funny. So your mom didn't like it. <laughs> yes. I uh, I was allowed to get those books through the um oh what are those thin paper pamphlets Scholastic I think they used to sell books mm -hmm, yeah. yep. mm -hmm. and this was in there and I remember finally winning her over going it has a Caldecott medal mom and that that did it <laughs> I don't even know what that is but it has it and it was enough oh that's so funny but yeah I used to go to the nurse's so, like, office and go read it there oh I'm the I'm the exact opposite. Like the reason I have this book is because my mom loves this book. And like when I when I moved out of her house, like I took my copy with me and I think she's still mad at me. Like I actually think I have to replace it. <laughs> yeah, you stole the story. <laughs> I I've just been flipping through it while you guys were talking. Um I've been working, I've been studying uh clouds, like water because I've been learning watercolor and watercolor clouds are apparently extremely difficult. Um 
And like I said, I don't think he's using watercolor here, but I did want to point out just how good his clouds are. They're fantastic. <laughs> Some fine-ass clouds in that book. Very fine-ass clouds. I'm also flipping through it, just sitting here, and like I'm noticing like there's a table of contents, which is a super fun part of the book because it's completely falling apart. Um, and it, it it's a table of contents that has page numbers, and the book actually has no page numbers. Do they all fa- do they all fall on Chicken Licken? <laughs> I think they did. Um, it crushed her. And then there's also a story in the table of contents called "The Boy Who Cried Cow Patty," and that's not a story in this book, is it? No. <laughs> I never noticed that. Before. Yeah, they're very slick. <laughs> um, what's your guys' favorite story in this? Oh, that's a good question. I kind of loved. Um, the uh, the bowling ball princess, the princess in the bowling ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember kind of, I wasn't the Disney princess type when I was younger. I was like the let's play baseball type. So I was so sick of being given books and stories and Hallmark cards and things that are like, oh, you pretty princess, blah, blah, blah. And I even had this thing from childhood that I used to despise. And it was like, boys are made of snakes and things and puppy dog tails and like sugar and spice and everything nice that's what little girls are made of and I was like that's boring and the the princess in the bowling ball I remember was sort of just like a buck of the tradition like she didn't feel shit she slept fine and the dude was like well I like her so I need to make sure that she feels something and he shoved a bowling ball under her mattress and I was like oh you can get around parents cool (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of subversive I I dug it yeah yeah, I mean this whole this whole book is like made out of subversion. Um, I think mine's probably uh, the really ugly duckling, which goes along <laughs> just as the regular ugly duckling story does until uh, the final page of it, which says, "Well, as it turned out, he was just a really ugly duckling, and he grew up to be just a really ugly duckling." The end. Yep. <laughs> it's there's a little more truth to that than the other version (laughs) we're not all swans man ain't that the truth (laughs) yeah Courtney I think I feel I feel similarly to you like thinking about that story like that's like way more real (laughs) than like any of that princess shit that they make you read (laughs) or whatever (laughs) it's like oh finally someone just decided to tell the truth (laughs) yes I really, I thought it was so good. And then um, this book itself actually spurred my interest in the original. I found out that, you know, a lot of our fairy tales from Disney were, you know, from back in the day. And some of them were kind of dark and Germanic and dramatic. And I, I ended up kind of going down that rabbit hole in my later elementary school career just out of this book kind of was like, say, things aren't always what they seem. You know, it doesn't all have to be shiny and new is that like how like the little mermaid dies at the end of the little mermaid yeah. <laughs> like all that dark stuff there's some really tragic stuff out there and i'm like wait you turn this into kid stuff disney like you guys are creeps it felt like they were feeding us soylent green yeah <laughs> i was like my pretty princess is what but like i said i wasn't wasn't two in them though i mean little mermaid she's she's always got a spot I'm trying to decide which one i like the best i can't decide I think that's fair, because uh, when I was thinking about it, I, I have the bowling ball one stuck in my head, but the there's one where I think somebody just says, like, screw you. It's like the fox. No, come on. There's some sort oh, of f- one with a, like, a policeman at the end, at the airport, maybe? I don't know. It might, it might be the one where the sky is falling. It might be Chicken Lickin', Ducky Lucky, and all of them. Oh, they do go to the airport. Oh, my God. This is... <laughs> This is using, like, childhood memories that I have not accessed in a long time. Yeah, like, how long had it been since you read this book? I did go through it once in my 20s, I think, because I went to college and it was one of those things, almost like a, a security blanket. I was like, I'm going to bring this just in case. Like, I do not know what I could have been prepping for in college that I would need the stinky cheese, man. But I was like, but just in case, I have it. <laughs> so I think I leafed through it once because it was sitting around. But yeah, probably a good decade and prior to that, <laughs> decade and a half, it was uh, definitely like a third, fourth grade thing. And Kara, had you read it since you were a child? Mm, I might have picked it up when it was like around the house when I was like a teenager uh, with my mom's tutoring. But now I don't 
I don't think that I did, but that's interesting, Courtney, that you said a fourth, fifth grade thing, because uh, the last episode that we did was about Hey Arnold. Um, and in that show, they're, they're fourth graders, and we were talking about how that age is such a great time to explore all of these different issues, because you're kind of like just on the cusp of like not being a, a kid kid anymore and you're like starting to grow up and it's just this like tumultuous uh f like fruitful time mm. uh and that like that's a really kind of sweet spot i think for for kids before everything goes wrong oh it's super formative <laughs> it really is like between nine and 14 like, yeah kids that age are like you can talk to them like they're real people. Like, yeah. you don't really have to treat... You know, yeah, no Google Gaga. You don't really, yeah, you don't have to... You can treat them like they're real humans. Like, But, like, yeah, nothing bad has happened to them yet. I know. For, you know, that's a huge overstatement. But, you know, like, all the yeah. drama of being a teenager, like, they're not affected by that mm -hmm. yet. So I feel like... I feel like a lot of the, the things that people kids find at that age like that's what sticks with you forever and ever and ever oh you know it might be that you're finally starting to make your own decisions too you're you're finally getting mm -hmm. some of the power from your parents to you know oh i'm gonna watch this instead of you're going to watch this like you're renting the movies or you're you know reading the books and stuff so could be that yeah um kara what was the name of the other book the other books that you read by this author uh, the True Story of the Three Little Pigs is my favorite, which has the I, same... I just found that one. <laughs> yeah. And it has the same kind of, like, breaking... Um, I, I don't remember if it breaks the book design the same way that this it, one does. It doesn't. But, okay. Yeah. But it does take that classic story and kind of, like, turn it on its head. And then the Time Warp Trio is the series. Is... What is, does the Time Warp Trio do any of that, like, breaking of the format, or, like, is it as clever? I don't remember. I'll, ha I'll have to get back to you after I <laughs> read Viking It and Liking It. I love that title. I know, <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah, the true story of the Three Little Pigs is, is the same kind of illustration, and it's the same, like, it tells the whole story from the wolf's point of view, and mm -hmm. he swears he wasn't trying to hurt any pigs, um... But it's pretty straightforward the way the book is laid out. So it's kind of like Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I don't know that one. Oh, it's a. Uh, it's a movie. It is a movie, and Not it a has book. a gentleman in it from Firefly, and I always forget his name. Wonderful blonde Billy man. Baldwin. You no, know, oh, I wish he's the. Is it is it Nathan Fillion? Because he's the only guy I know from Firefly. No, it's the lesser known guy <laughs> who plays the pilot. He's adorable, but it's... oh, Alan Tudyk. Thank you. Yes, Alan Tudyk. He deserves name recognition. That's why I needed to get yeah. it. Uh, he's in it and it's, uh, it's basically a horror movie from the perspective of the two, you know, axe wielding hillbillies at the gas station mm. in the woods <laughs> and same sort of concept where they're actually trying to help. And, you know, one just wants to hit on a girl, but through a series of tragic events, it's comedic. Um, I don't, I remember absolutely loving that when I saw it, but I don't remember a single thing about it. It so was I'll wonderful. See it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you guys think of any other books or like anything that came after this that you feel like this was like a precursor for? Like, what did this inform after it? Oh, I don't know. I'm sh I'm sure that like a generation of children's book illustrators and writers are heavily influenced by this. But Jordan, after we recorded laughs last time, you were talking about that kind of like zeitgeisty thing of breaking the fourth wall in children's uh, stuff. I don't know if you remember having this conversation. I barely do. Vaguely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, that you were, you were talking up because I think we were talking about how we were going to do this and you were kind of wondering aloud, like when did that start? Where did that come from? Cause that was a very big thing at that time i feel and i think that kind of thing has existed for ever and ever as right. long as as long as people have made media i'm sure breaking the fourth wall has been a thing um but like it just made me think of like this this kind of 
this kind of sense of humor that I've grown up with, like, and I think of, like, like the Larry Sanders show, where they would, like, look straight at the camera, and now they do it, you know, all the time in, like, The Office and in, you know, Parks and Rec, um, where, like, the whole thing of it is that it's not real, kind of, I don't know, that's a bad word for, I'm not describing it well, um, but, like, I, I, I was wondering when we were talking, Kara, about that, just, like, how much of my love for that came from things like this. Like, mm-hmm. was I trained to have that kind of sense of humor, you know? Mm. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, what could this book have possibly inspired? And I, I can't say there's a direct correlation, but conceptually, I actually thought of The Stinky Cheese Man when I was flipping through House of Leaves. Have you guys heard of that book? No, no who's that? Mark Z. Danilowski, uh is the author. He's actually random pop culture reference. Do you guys remember Poe, the band from the mid-90s? Yeah. They did Angry yeah, Johnny, and it was effing amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's his sister. So this artist wrote yeah. this, like, horror satire book, and it's very long and postmodern and ridiculous to the point that I couldn't get through it. But uh, he wrote a book such as you're going to be referencing footnotes, but the footnote goes on for a page and a half. And then another chapter later, there's it's literally written as basically a spiral around the book. So you have to keep turning it. And there's another one where you have to, like, figure out a code. But he doesn't tell you any of this. It's just how the story is presented to you. But it's meant to mess with you in person whenever you read the book. And I think as far apart as those two authors are on the scale of, you know, family friendliness, I think there's something to be said about just being able to let loose and I I mean like you said people have been breaking the fourth wall forever but I think that seeing a children's book really use the book format to somehow be more interactive I think just you know could have possibly sparked someone who knows if that guy had a kid or if he read it who knows yeah I wish I had done more research to (laughs) (laughs) ill prepared for this topic (laughs) yeah I just I feel like my my knowledge about books is so not as good as my knowledge about, like, TV and movies that this book is harder for me to contextualize in literature than, you know, we like, we did Hey Arnold, we've done Casper. Like, that stuff is easier for me to place in context. Devin Sawa. Yeah, I... <laughs> Yeah. He's easy to place in context. I feel very much the same about uh, not having the context. Um, oh no, I'm too nerdy for the nerds. <laughs> just different kinds of nerds, you know. <laughs> true that. Not, not really, not really a book nerd. It's true though that, like, you know, I read a ton of books as a kid, but this is the only one that I could actually name and be like, "Yeah, this, this was this book. I read it all the time." Like, do you guys feel that way too, or are you like, can you like name off books that you read as a kid? I don't know if I could really name off books that I read, but I could tell you books that I loved the illustrations in. Oh, which ones? I'm not sure that I could do it right now. <laughs> She's like, I didn't say on the spot. Um, let me let me think for a minute. All right, you um, ponder on that. I can answer half of that. Uh, I I can name them, and I don't know why. Probably because I had few friends and didn't enjoy the outdoors. But I I think I always. I remember holding the books, and I'm sure this topic has been discussed at length since the Kindle was introduced, but I just, I remember holding my stupid Nancy Drew repub, and I remember holding my, oh, Little Women. It was huge, and it was so big, I literally ripped (gasps) it in half. I do love Little Women. (laughs) (laughs) I loved Little Women so much, but I, I mean, I'd still at this point in my life, just watched the movie. Oh. Which is a great, a great adaptation, I think. Winona Ryder? Yeah, of course. I I identified heavily both with the character of Joe, Winona Ryder's character, Mm -hmm. and also, um, who was the one that, like, went to France to paint that one, too? Um, Amy. Yeah. uh, Kristen Dunst. Yeah. Yeah, so I I remember, oh, and then, like, Goosebumps 1 through 39 Mm. was a big fan. Yeah. What about, like, earlier than oh, that? Oh, if we want to like, go way back, I well, I was a cat in the hat comes back girl. So, like, uh-huh. not the OG. He comes back. 
Wait, what? Yeah, The Cat in the Hat, the sequel. Not a lot of people know of this book. No, I've never yeah. heard of the sequel. It's so the first one, The Cat in the Hat, and the second one is The Cat in the Hat Comes Back. I don't think I've read the sequel either. Well, I don't think it was required reading. It was uh, more of the same. <laughs> you know, the cat causes some trouble. Maybe a pink ring in the bathtub, something along those lines. Uses the mother's dress to clean it mm -hmm. up. I don't know. But it was good read at the time. I liked that it wasn't, you know, the mainstream cat in the hat. I, that I was getting the behind the scenes, the director's cut. There was more to it. <laughs> well, you're a rebel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking through a list of uh, winners of the Caldecott Medal, um, which for people who don't know is like the highest honor for children's books. Um, yeah, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Just rubbing in her face. Uh, and like there there are a few oh yeah there are a few of these that really stick out to me as things that I loved The Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats which is about a little boy who wears this cute little snowsuit and is out in the snow on a snow day um of course Where the Wild Things Are oh, which is yes. a classic uh Why Mosquitoes Buzz in People's Ears I love the illustrations in that one so probably a lesser known thing um, is the the hungry caterpillar on there? Uh, maybe. Fun fact: Eric Carle, the author, I think, and illustrator, went to my art school. Graduated from my art school. That is a fun fact because I was kind of like, mm -hmm. I I kind of missed that train. I never got that book, and kids all knew it at a certain age. And I was like, what is this? So I like, a little too old, went and got it from the library and read it. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Still good. Yeah, love I mean, the art and. and the art in that is so great. It's all like cut paper illustrations that are so great. The Hungry Hungry Caterpillar is not a winner of the Caldecott Medal, surprisingly. Shame. Yeah, that's really surprising to me. We'll write in. Um, there's a few like holiday books that I loved. Um, Baby Kermit's First Christmas. It was good art. <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of uh, Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblin, but sure. Ah, yes. <laughs> that one's actually really good. Um, yeah, just like illustrated versions of old fairy tales. And I, I just love, I mean, I'll still, if a book has pictures in it, I'm like, uh, who cares what the words say? Let me look at the pictures. All visuals. Um, it's actually, it was a dream of mine to be a children's book illustrator when I grew up, so. That's a tough uh, market. I, it is a tough market, but I still have time, because I... You do. True that. I, I might be 30, but I feel like a child. <laughs> yeah, that's plenty of time. Yeah. Where did you find the list? I want the list. Oh, I just Googled Caldecock. Caldecock <laughs> <laughs> Medal winners. Freudian Sloop. Oh, oh, I had some Raw Doll books that were so wonderfully illustrated. And I think, you know, I think if there's any, if this, if the Stinky Cheese Man comes out of any legacy, it's Raw Doll. Mm. Um, because his stories were always really surprisingly dark and like not for kids, even though they were supposed to be for kids. Um, and actually, Lane Smith, the illustrator of the Stinky Cheese Man, illustrated the 1996, I think, yeah, the 1996 edition, illustrated edition of James and the Giant Peach, and also served as the conceptual designer for the Disney movie adaptation. Yeah, I, oh, I love wow. that book. I didn't know that, but I can see it. Yeah. Oh, I loved Matilda. Yeah, oh, yeah. That was fabulous. And the witches. Oh, oh yeah. no, no. Not I did one. not read that. Not for me. Oh, I like that one. I don't like that movie at all. Oh, it's I don't, a movie. I've never seen the movie. It's the deeply, not deeply good. upsetting. Oh, I mean, why? maybe it's good. I just remember seeing it as a kid and, and being extremely um, disturbed by it. Oh. I mean, it's, it's really dark and it's creepy and it's scary. And Angelica Houston plays a witch. And of course, she's amazing. Amazing. But super scary. Yeah. Yeah. Like, too good. Yeah. And I don't know. There's like mice involved. And I, I don't usually have a problem with rodents, but they. Oh just yeah, so you do. Something. are, and they turn because don't they turn children into mice? Oh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was going to ask if you have a problem with witches. Oh no, no, big, big witch enthusiast. I thought so. Love the witches. 
some hocus pocus right um actually (laughs) no come on i don't love witches that much i was at a sleepover as a child (laughs) and we were settling in to watch hocus pocus and Mm -hmm. i got so freaked out i threw up so (laughs) and now every time that's on she pukes it's true no i actually have not seen it since it's really good Um, cute boy in it yeah (laughs) we're too old now but people love it but um it was not it was not not a thing that um i liked yeah. I once puked watching ice skating and eating cherry ice cream, and I now don't watch ice skating, and I won't eat cherry ice cream. <laughs> I get you. Yeah, I mean, it might have been the snacks that made me barf. Oh, um, totally. Sleepover but, snacks. Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking at a picture of the cover, and they're pretty scary. The Roald Dahl illustrations are with the, what is it, kind of like line drawings, but tons of lines. Well, it depends on, on, on like, which what editions and who's yeah. the illustrator. Um, oh, and good I point. think if I had to guess, I, I'd say that Lane Smith probably illustrated some other Roald Dahl stuff. I'm not sure totally, but, like... Did he write The Phantom Tollbooth? Because that was one of my favorite books. He did not. Um, I actually just rebought that book because it was one of my favorites, too. <laughs> nice. Of course, now I can't remember who... Norton Jester. Oh. I've yeah, I love that never one. heard of this. Oh, you should read it. It's, it's enjoyable. So yep. <laughs> I rebought it probably five years ago and read it presumably much faster, too, because I, I feel like the first time I read that book, I kind of slogged through it because it was a lot for my little, like, I don't know, middle school brain. But yeah, I mean, through... it's listed as a novel, so it's, it's definitely. Um, uh, sizier? That's not a word. Mm. Uh, it, it's definitely more than some of the other like picture books that we're talking about. Actually, with the nonsense um, that's in that book, sizier works. <laughs> What's that book where the kids like sleep over in a museum? Night at the museum. Mm, no. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I got nothing. Hmm. I loved anything where like kids were where they weren't supposed to be. <laughs> I remember there is this one Roald Dahl book of short stories, and I don't remember anything about any of them, except, well, one that it felt like I was, like, a grown-up now, because they were, like, a, I think they were, like, a little bit more, like, for older kids than the, um, like, the witches and all those books. Um, but there was one story in it where the main character did this thing where he would stare at fire and it made him able to like like see through his eyelids or like see it like did something magical and so like I was convinced that I could also learn to do that so I used to just stare at fire and it didn't work <laughs> you don't know that just keep trying okay <laughs> <laughs> the amount of effort I'm sure uh, the first ever like video production class that I took in art school we adapted uh, a Roald Dahl story into a short film um, that was basically the plot of Reservoir Dogs, I think. Hmm. Um, it, like, it wasn't original by any means, but it was interesting to kind of take that piece of, of quote-unquote children's literature and then, like, adapt it and realize that, like, this is not for children at all. Um, from the mixed-up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. That's the one where they stay overnight in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Uh, or maybe it's the Museum of Natural History. I don't oh, know. That'd be even better. But they, like, yeah, they, like, hide and they stay there overnight. And it's nice. magical. Oh, like they were there on a trip and then they kind of, you know, gave I them the slip. So. Nice. I'm going to steer us in a different direction um, to talk about something that we've talked about before in other podcasts, but I want to ask it in relation to this book, and that's, like, when you read this book, or really any book, like, you know, that you read when you were a child, like, can you feel, does it, like, put you back, like, does it put you back in the nurse's office? Oh, my God. Like, can you feel it? Is it, like, tactile? Oh, it's not only tactile, there's the sensation of taste, because the way I got to the nurse's office, because I was rarely sick as a child, uh, I would rip my teeth out. I was in fifth grade, 
I think, fourth grade, <laughs> and I had I had loose baby teeth, and I had long nails, and I, I did not want to hear the teacher reread me Where the Red Fern Grows one more time, because it's really sad. It's a very depressing book. It I already read it at sad. home. And she insisted, we go read it at home, and then we come back in, and she would literally read the same chapter to us. So I'm just, like, hearing about, you know, the dogs and trails and stuff, and I'm like, I can't take it. So I just rip my teeth out taste the you know brackish bloody taste that happens when you pull a tooth out and be like i am freaking out right now (laughs) and i'm like i gotta go to the bathroom i go to the nurse and she'd be like oh does it hurt and i would say yes and she would give me some sort of ice pack and just let me sit peacefully and read and it was awesome and that's the book i chose so yeah when i pick it up i can taste the blood wow that's a better answer than i could have ever hoped for (laughs) Happy children story. <laughs> you so you did this more than once. You ripped out your teeth. Yeah, there was a while there. My mom was like, "What are you eating?" And I was like, "I don't know." You know, she thought I was like biting into, biting into Jolly Ranchers or whatever. <laughs> but no, no, it was uh, just wanting to get out of hearing dog torture stories and wanting to enjoy my subversive postmodern fairy tales. Oh, that's so funny. The truth hurts. Teeth really freak me out. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, I had braces forever as a child, and now, like anything that involves people's mouths, really disturbed me. <laughs> are your Are your teeth still straight? No, of course not. I never wore my retainer. So you They're actually extremely that. crooked now. Yeah. <laughs> My wisdom teeth grew in sideways and like pushed my bottom teeth Mm. all together and then my bottom teeth started shifting my top teeth and now I have like a space in between my two front teeth. I don't care. I don't care. No. It's just fine. Yeah. Just like whatever. Yeah. All of that for nothing. (laughs) Well, not for nothing. My teeth did literally like stick straight out of my face. Oh, yeah, yeah. They don't don't do that anymore. I at least have that going. Is that an overjet? Uh, I think that's well, I had it. an extreme overbite. That was yeah. the term. So, like, my jo- my top jaw was, like, or my bottom jaw was, like, recessed. Yeah. Extre- pretty extremely. And then um, because I used a pacifier until I was in, like, first grade, that, that just, like, made my teeth stick out straight. And then also, now that I'm an adult and finally learned that I have this weird genetic condition, there's a lot of, like, weird mouth teeth stuff that go along with yeah. that too so oh, that's rough uh, yeah my body is a wonderland <laughs> my body's a theme park too it's broke down <laughs> <laughs> well guys anything else you want to say about the stinky cheese man go check it out at your I local don't... library unless they don't have it yeah i just rediscovered libraries the other day they're amazing you can go there and you can smell all the books and you can take some of them home with you and and my you don't even have to has... rip your teeth out you don't even have to rip your teeth out. My library has free art classes and free museum passes that you can check out. So libraries are really amazing, and I can't believe that I forgot that. Because I, I loved them as a child, and I don't know like what ha- oh, school happened. Probably yeah. that's what happened. Uh, I hated school and like associated anything that like was school-related. But big fan of libraries now gonna gonna be spending a lot of time there can i read the, the stinky cheese man yeah because it's super short and it is the eponymous story for this book and it also has my favorite illustration in the whole book which is the which st- one the is it the little girl man's, no <laughs> the stinky cheese man standing on uh the snout of the wolf oh or the fox that's a fox I, oh. <laughs> I love the one where the he's running past the cow and the little boy and the little girl and she's plugging her nose. It's such a pointed yeah. little plug. It's also a really good one. So, I had a, an urge to do it like Audible. The stinky cheese man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's how you... That's how... I think this was before we hit record... Kara was telling us that her, since her library didn't have this, she listened to it on Audible before she read it. Uh, which was really interesting, actually. Um, not having put like laid hands on the book or looked at it in so long, I for like I forgot about all of the um, 
the weird book design stuff to it. So it was just like really bizarre to hear it because very kind of like anachronistic and like doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> it it was an interesting experience to hear the book and then see the book. Yeah. Oh yeah, because all that stuff with like the narrator and Jack and Chicken Licken, like that doesn't really make sense <laughs> if you're not looking at the book. Does no, it? it doesn't really. <laughs> The Stinky Cheese Man Once upon a time, there was a little old woman and a little old man who lived together in a little old house. They were lonely, so the little old lady decided to make a man out of stinky cheese. She gave him a piece of bacon for a mouth and two olives for eyes and put him in the oven to cook. When she opened the oven to see if he was done, the smell knocked her back. Phew! What is that terrible smell? she cried. The stinky cheese man hopped out of the oven and ran out the door calling, Run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the stinky cheese man. The little old lady and the little old man sniffed the air. I'm not really that hungry, said the little old man. I'm not really all that lonely, said the little old lady. So they didn't even chase the stinky cheese man. The stinky cheese man ran and ran until he met a cow eating grass in a field. Wow, what's that awful smell, said the cow. The stinky cheese man said, I've run away from a little old lady and a little old man, and I can run away from you too, I can. Run, 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 as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the stinky cheese man. The cow gave another sniff and said, I'll bet you could give someone two or three stomach aches. I think I'll just eat weeds. So the cow didn't chase the stinky cheese man either. The stinky cheese man ran and ran until he met some kids playing outside school. Gross, said the little girl. What's that nasty smell? I've run away from a little old lady and a little old man and a cow, and I can run away from you too, I can. Run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the Stinky Cheese Man. A little boy looked up, sniffed the air, and said, If we catch him, our teacher will probably make us eat him. Let's get out of here. So the kids didn't chase the Stinky Cheese Man either. By and by, the Stinky Cheese Man came to a river with no bridge. How will I ever cross this river? It's too big to jump, and if I try to swim across... I'll probably fall apart, said you-know-who. Just then, the sly fox, who shows up in a lot of stories like these, poked his head out of the bushes. Why, just hop on my back and I'll carry you across, stinky cheese man. How do I know you won't eat me? Trust me, said the fox. So the stinky cheese man hopped on the fox's back. The fox swam to the middle of the river and said, Oh, man! What is that funky smell? The fox coughed, gagged, and sneezed, and the stinky cheese man flew off his back and into the river, where he fell apart. The end. Beautiful. I think maybe that's my favorite story in the book. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really solid, and it's, like, you can see, like, oh, that's why this is called the stinky cheese man, <laughs> you know? I like it's just so funny to me that there's a story about a character who's like doing the fairy tale and everyone else is like, mm, no, I don't want to. <laughs> Not participating. <laughs> I don't want to play this game. <laughs> yeah. Um, on that last page, there's another really wonderful illustration. It's just a square <laughs> and the water and just his little face with the two olives and a piece of bacon. His wavy bacon really, mouth. Yeah, it's lovely. He's floating in the And river. then after that. It seems like the book is over, but you turn the page expecting to find the back cover and you see another illustration with the narrator and the sleeping giant that we are introduced to at the beginning of the book. And there's like a couple, couple more little things in there that are unexpected between the end of the story and the back cover. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I think and, they do a good job of playing with expectations. The, yeah. the traditional tropes. Yeah, and I mean, even on the back of the book where you expect to turn the book over, find a summary, maybe find a blurb about the author, whatever, it's a picture of a chicken and it's saying, what is this? And it's like um, gesturing towards a text that says a scholastic edition and the, has the ISBN number and it says, what is this doing here? This is ugly. <laughs> Who's this ISBN guy? 
Who will buy this book anyway? Over 50 pages of nonsense and I'm only in three of them. Blah, 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 blah. And she says blah a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah. Even in the very back where there's like the uh, the bios of the author and the illustrator, it's a picture of Abraham Lincoln and uh, George Washington. Oh, that's not in this one. <gasps> oh, mine has that. What does yours have on the back cover? Does it have their bios? No, the back cover is just uh, just what I said. Oh, no, but on the little flap on the inside. No flap. Oh, this does not have a flap. This yours is just doesn't a regular... have a flap. Flap free. Yes. I, I always remove flaps. I do, too. Mm. Oh, yeah, I guess if I remove the flap. I lose my dust there. jacket. Yeah, I can't take it. Yeah. This is um well this is actually a new copy of this. I gave the old one. You know when people have babies, uh, <laughs> they do a thing where you give them a book for the baby. Yes. Mm-hmm. I I gave my best friend from high school my copy of this. Aww. If I was that her, I had like I written all over and that's like to me. I'm like you would what? Like that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Aww. So I guess mine still has a a dust jacket because Cute. it's new. Yep, mine's been loved. I think the spine at the bottom is held together with a sticker well usually at the end of the show jordan asks um well is it still good and uh, courtney you actually said at the very beginning those exact words that it's still good so <laughs> yes the stinky cheese exciting. is fresh we accidentally answered the question way early in the podcast i'm psychic um so i have a different question mm. what's your favorite kind of cheese oh <gasps> that's a good question it's a it's a an underwhelming cheese on its own, but I think what it adds to other cheeses when it melts is just beyond. So I'm going to go with Munster. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. How about you, Jordan? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I have a favorite cheese. Um, I do like when someone hands me a fancy cheese and explains it to me. I feel, I feel good eating that, but I don't, I don't have a cheese opinion, which I know is like very unpopular. People feel very strong. Just go with cheese. easy cheese. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you have a stomachache just hearing the word. Yeah, it makes me think of a of a goofy movie, which is a movie we should do on this podcast one day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the Polly Shore character like fills his hand up with cheese, and he goes, "It's the Leaning Tower of Cheese." Oh yes, I actually <laughs> remember that very vividly. It's like a goofy movie. I don't think I've seen that, but I definitely at least have seen that part. <laughs> you have. Well then, Kara, what about you? Kara, what's your favorite cheese? Um, I don't know if I have like a number one all-time favorite, but I love a good fresh mozzarella. Mm. Like a nice ball of fresh mozz. I could eat like an apple. Um, I also recently, like over the Christmas holiday, was at a friend's house and our other friend came and her boyfriend is a cheesemonger, so he brought a bunch of fancy cheese and he had this... I think it was from like New Zealand or Australia, these little balls of, I believe they were feta in like some oil that was all flavored. It was so good. I don't know what it's called. I don't know where it's from. I'm not even sure if it was feta cheese, although I do love feta cheese and that would probably be in my top five. Um, But that specific cheese is probably the best cheese I've ever eaten. Oh, port wine, port wine cheese. That's mm. a good one, too. I could eat a tub of that and have. Cheese is great. But not stinky cheese. Well, it depends on the stinky cheese. <laughs> I mean, some stinky cheeses are pretty good. I personally do not like blue cheese. I think it tastes like vomit. Uh, but I know plenty of people who do. So, you know, different strokes. Yep. Takes all kinds. It does. <laughs> All right, well, that about does it for the Stinky Cheese Man. Thanks so much for joining us on Wistful Thinking. I'm Jordan Poland-Clark. That was Kara Gale O'Regan and Courtney. You can find us, the show, and all things Cage Club Podcast Network at cageclub.me and send any questions, suggestions, and feedback to wistfulpod at gmail.com. You can like the show on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at wistfulpod. Bye.